Wiggy, how do you not believe in aliens? Um, I just don't. I mean, you think it's impossible? I feel like this. If they're that much more intelligent than we are, why are they not here? How come when you, you you see so-called footage of it, it's like it's never really any good footage. In the, in the days with the cell phone, with camera phones and all these type of things, I mean, they can get, they got lenses that will shoot. I heard this paparazzi. They have camera lenses that will shoot two miles away and be able to get close-up pictures of, like, celebrities. Yeah, we can see Kate Middleton's bosom, but we yeah, can't. Yeah, not but, clearly enough. I think believing aliens is a, uh, I think I'm playing the odds. Uh, the universe is too big. It's just too big for there not to be other life. Well, I'm homeless. I, I just say, show me some evidence. Where's the evidence of actual Where is it? And now, ladies and gentlemen, Banal of America Audio with your host, Tim Banal. What is going on, my friends? This is Tim Benall of BenallofAmerica.com with another edition of BOA Audio Season 8 and, as you've probably surmised by now, another live edition of the program. Very excited about this one because I'm reuniting with an old friend of mine. It actually isn't that long uh, since the last time I talked to him. We, t- we talked for about an hour and a half two nights ago. And it's kind of this is going to be a continuation of that conversation. He's been on the program in the past, but the more I thought about it, I realized he hasn't been on the program for just a pure appearance one-on-one to discuss the world of esoterica, the world of the paranormal, and how he got into all this and his thoughts on it. Of, of course, talking about our good friend Jeff Ritzman. He is the host of Paranormal Waypoint, as well as the former co-host of Paratopia with our mutual good friend Jeremy Vaney. And as I said, we had him on, oh, right around the end of Lost. I'm one of those people that actually, you know, measures his life in the timeline by the <laughs> the history of Lost. But right around the end of Lost, so about three years ago, we had him on the program with Jeremy. And that was a pure jam session. And as I said, I was thinking back about it, and I said to myself, you know, I haven't had Jeff on just to talk uh, one-on-one and, and get into all this with him. So I reached out to him and got him here on BOA Live. So welcome back to the show, Jeff. I'm really looking forward to this one, pal. Yeah, me too, boss. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. How have you been? You've got this new show, Paranormal Waypoint. It's not new anymore. It's been about around for a year, right? Almost a year, yeah. It'll be a year in uh, in December, I think. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, I should mention you're good enough to have me on there as well. So folks, check out oh, yeah. ParanormalWaypoint.com. That's uh, where they can find out more. Yeah, absolutely. And as I said, it feels kind of artificial in a way because we talked for like 90 minutes a couple of of nights ago. So uh, now we're bringing everybody else into the conversation. As I said, I never had you on the show to do sort of a one-on-one pure uh, essential early interview, if you will. You know, uh, the the previous conversation was was rife with, uh, you know, informality. So... Let's get down to business here a little bit on, you know, tell me about the bio, the background, you know. How did you get into all this? I think when we talked before, we, we sort of heard about the the origins of, of Paratopia, but, you know, how did Jeff Ritzman get into this? Because you have a, a much longer and storied uh, career looking at this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Storied would be a good way to put it. Yeah. Uh, well, 
I mean, I don't know. I, uh, I I've had weird stuff pretty much uh, ever since I can remember. I mean, since at least five years old, and uh, and I don't think that I I thought it was unusual at the time. Uh, I knew I had weird stuff going on. And I knew that I saw things that other people didn't. Um, but then people around me started seeing weird things as early as, you know, 10 or 11, 12 years old. And um, it, it wasn't until probably I was in my place, I guess, that I kind of realized, wow, that's, this is that paranormal thing. That's that's what this is. Yeah. Um, and, um, and it, you know, and, and there was just a lot of very weird stuff that had happened that I really had no answers for and had no explanations for. And... Um, and for lack of a better way to put it, I mean, I think communion came to fruition uh, for me. Seeing the cover of that uh, did something. Uh, it certainly didn't. It certainly didn't look exactly like anything I'd ever seen before. Yeah. But it was really close. It was really close to something, and uh, and so I started pursuing that something. Um, now let me just stop uh, you. What yeah. was the what's the time frame on all this? When communion came out, or do you see it? Yeah, later? I mean, I, you know, I'm trying to I get. I mean, it, it was. Of, I think uh, like the '80s at some point. Yeah, it was definitely in the '80s. Okay. Where you know, I, I and I actually got into this not so much as looking at it from uh, the selfish standpoint that I take with it now, which is I want to know what's going on with me. Yeah. Um, back then, it was more. This is just absolutely engrossing and fascinating, and I want to know what's going on. Um, and then, you know, when you start to experience stuff uh, that you did when you were a kid, and it all starts to come back to you, um, you know, you start realizing what's going on. I mean, I never believed in people who said they were abducted by aliens. I like, I just thought, well, that's the biggest much nonsense I've ever heard. That's that's just one step good photograph, you know? Yeah. And um, uh, and then, you know, uh, my wife and I had a, a pretty uh, a pretty earth-shaking event together uh, that was shared and um, and conscious <laughs> and all of that. And um, yeah, and that's when I kind of realized that all of the weird things that, that had happened throughout my life uh, were all connected to... Um, what people refer to as the UFO phenomena, although I think that's a crappy term. Um, I look at it as it, you know, it's an anomaly. It's the anomaly for me. Yeah. Um, I don't, uh, I'm not a ufologist. I don't like the, um, uh, I, I don't like the title of ufologist because I think most of those people are crackpots. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sorry. You know, it's just, it doesn't, it's, it's, I think anomalous is a good word. Um, I know Jerome Clark prefers anomalous uh, to, to anything. I think these days are paranormalist. That's, that's a good way to put it. Um, I just realized that all of these things were definitely connected and that now uh, this whole interest seemed to make sense. Why was I so enthralled with it? You know, why was I drawn to it? Um, in, in, in really weird ways. I mean, there was a lot of synchronicities that had to line up before I actually grabbed a hold of it and said, okay, what is this? Okay, that's, yeah. I mean, that's pretty much where I came from. And um, and then being uh, being a guy who has used Photoshop since it pretty much started, um, and, and being a designer and a, and a commercial designer, uh, you know, I said, well, what can I do in the UFO field? Well, what I can do is 
to do what uh, Bruce McAbee told me at 22 or 23 years old was start looking at photographs, start helping that way, uh, start trying to figure out what's fake and what's not, and and so I started doing that. And um, so you were like, oh, all right, this is see, I'm intrigued here. So you were like in your early 20s, and you were, oh yeah, interesting. Yeah, okay. I mean, that was that was kind of where it where it started for me, at least in that respect. And uh, and it's just. I mean, it's 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 had its ups, it's had its definite downs. Uh, but uh, you know, I, I don't. Re- I, I said to to my wife when I really went full full bore into it, uh, and I think we were just newly married. Uh, so this would be about 1991. Um, I said I can't explain this, but something about pursuing this feels like right. Uh, I know people, the audience, you you yourself probably know. There's decisions in your life that you make that just seem like, yes, this is absolutely the right thing to do. And they're far and few between. This was probably the surest of sures that I can imagine um, next to getting married. I mean, you know, yeah. Yeah. you better be damn sure you want to get married before you pull the trigger on that one. Well, this is <laughs> the same thing, you know. This was kind of the same thing. I just felt like this is absolutely a right move. And... um and I've questioned that. Since. I was going to say, I mean, that's, say, yeah. 1991. We're talking, what, 21 years later here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How, so since you got married to ufology, or how, since you got married to the looking at the subject, <laughs> you yeah. know, I, I, I presume yeah. there have been many times there's been a seven-year itch on this thing. It's, it's. I can only imagine. I've been looking at it for 10 years, so, and I'm already really cynical and jaded about it all, so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that tends to happen after a while because you you come into it not really knowing the backstory, and once you learn a little bit of history, and I'm not one of those people that you know. I, I mean, I've been in this now 27 years this year, which is which is both you know kind of like wow and disgusting at the same time. <laughs> um, you know, but I mean, <laughs> I mean, ultimately, I'm not one of those people who looks at at people who are new to this field and go. Well, you don't know the history of this, and and you need to know the history. I'm not one of those people that beats that out um, to say you know, somebody shouldn't even be in this field if they don't know the backstory or they don't know the complete uh, unabridged history. Um, I think you need a little bit under your belt. I think you need to know who the honest brokers are in it, and um, and that's not always that easy to tell. And uh, and these days it's it's become the opposite. It's become that people have been so driven to believe um, and have such a desire for answers that they'll they'll really gulp down just about anything. Uh, and right. it's not their fault. And I don't blame them for that either. And uh, there's like 57 varieties now. You know, you can. There is. Yeah. There's a there's a story for everybody. That's the absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, yeah. That's and everybody part. does kind of have to find their own way in this. You know, I mean, ultimately, that's where it, that's where it comes from. And um, so, yeah, I understand that the need to to have an answer and the burning desire to have an answer. But um, you know, only thing I can say is uh, hold tight to thine rope. You know, because <laughs> you you're going to want to pull yourself back quite quite a few times. Right. I mean, there's people. I just we don't have the answer, so it befuddles me the people that there are people that actually do believe they have the answer, and that's you know. Oh, yeah, that's what's terrifying. Right, right. Because <laughs> yeah. you don't know what <laughs> are they lying to themselves, or at the end of the day, like before they go to bed, they look in the mirror and they like, I really don't know. I really, you know, <laughs> I'm actually well, lying to everybody. I don't, I don't know the answer. 
Yeah, I mean, we we kind of uh, Jeremy and I kind of adopted the the mantra of you know it's it, a lot of this is adults playing Dungeons and Dragons. It's uh, it's it's for for some facets of it. I mean, on the extreme fringe of this subject is some pretty weird stuff and some pretty outlandish stuff and stuff that really uh, I don't think a dog would believe. Um, and you know, there are there are people who are who are very invested in some very crazy stuff and um and and they do it i think because it's it's a sense of community they have like people that they can talk to and it almost becomes like a game uh but i think at the end of the day if you asked any of them do you really believe this they probably in their heart of hearts would say no but it's a good story or no but you know everybody else is doing it you know, I really do think it comes down to that basic a premise, you know, that, that people do like to just have an escape and play. Uh, and for a lot of people, this has become a place to play, a place to belong. Uh, yeah, if you so, think about it, if you, know, you if you really believe that, like, that there were reptilian aliens working to control the planet, um, wouldn't you be, like, living in a bunker somewhere in Montana so you wouldn't exactly. so you'd be able to survive the fallout of the reptilian takeover? But they don't. They just they keep working at Foot Locker. Exactly. And, you know, and more power to them. But at the same time, it's they clearly don't believe it <laughs> that much. Well, yeah. They're yeah. not gonna up I mean, and up and move out to the woods. I mean, what if they're what if the reptiles aren't taking over? Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Nobody's changing their lives. Exactly. Um, there was something you touched on, but my train of thought ran away from me. But I. I, I I did. Oh well, you know, I do advise people who look into this. I always tell them. I, I made the joke here about the Foot Locker, but I, I always advise people: don't quit your job and do this. Don't, you know, stay in school, even if you're interested in the UFO subject. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, absolutely. learn a trade. Uh, <laughs> have something to yeah. fall back on because being, uh, you know, being a part of the UFO field is 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 no way to make a living or uh, build a, a life. No. In fact, it's a good way to end one. Um, I mean, really, uh, the... The the livelihood, certainly, yeah. Well, livelihood, and also, you know, when you're you're dealing, I'm sure we'll we'll talk more about this later on, but I mean, when you're talking about dealing with paranormal subjects and engaging them directly, um, which inevitably has to happen, in order for you to study this, you can't just sit around reading the book all the time. Hmm. At some point, you've got to you've got to put your feet on the ground and, and walk the walk. And to do that uh, and to engage this subject is to is to throw yourself into a little bit of disarray, um, you know, to interact with what the phenomena is um, or what it presents itself to be. And um, and it's, it's, it's a debilitating uh, premise to, to, to undertake that. I mean, there's been many a marriage lost. Um, there's been, uh, I mean, there has been deaths. There has been loss of jobs. There has been people who have died broke and poor. Um, I mean, one of my heroes in this was Dick Hall, and um, you know, and and the man devoted his life pretty much to this subject. I think more of it than not. And um, from what I understand, he died a, a very poor man um, in a in a, a very small place, and it was no way to go. Yeah, you know? it was no way to go, and. And then you turn around, and there's some people that um, are media slick, and uh, and they know how to talk, and they're uh, educated people who who actually can do well 
um, through the medium of writing books and doing lectures and all of that. And, you know, I used to have a big problem with people who made money from this subject because I realized that, you know, it may not be important as a world subject. um, And I'm sure people would disagree with me on that uh, in some venues. But ultimately, for the sake of argument, it's not that important to the world at large, but it certainly does affect the number of people uh, a large number of people on this planet. And for that reason alone, for the personal reason, it is drastically important. And I used to have a problem with anybody who would try to make money off of that. But again, if you're an author and you're writing a book, that's work. And work has to be paid for. Exactly. <laughs> so I changed my my outlook on that. Um, but yeah, there's, there's people out there who are actively um, making money from this that... Uh, that are completely full of it, and um, and I, you know we don't have to name names, but it's 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 obvious if if one looks. Yeah, people who, can connect who, the dots. Who, who the people are, you know, that are doing the money grabs, and um, you know, and and that I find reprehensible. So yeah, and and know. to to clarify a little bit, because uh, uh, I thought about it as I was listening to you. It, it like you say, there's nothing wrong with making money in it. My advice is don't. To. It's sort of like, you know, people that think they're going to get into the NBA or something, you know, or that mm-hmm. they can play baseball. It's like only a very small amount of people can, so, you yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. Again, true. pick up a trade, yeah. that's all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't, don't rely on this UFO thing to be uh, your bread and butter. Well, and, and I would say that if you're going to get into it in any, in any like, boots-on-the-ground capacity, you know, just be aware of what you're asking for. I mean, because... You know, and I, I've said this for years. This has kind of become like the thing people get sick of me saying. But uh, it's not a, it's not a, you know, watch what you wish for, you might get it. It's more along the lines of, uh, you know, be wary of exactly what you're doing because this stuff can and will change your entire life. Um, I mean, it's certainly changed mine. And uh, I mean, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be talking to you. Uh, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be doing a radio show, um, but that's only a very small part of what's happened to me in this whole this this whole uh, you know searching for what this is, uh, which is a damnable, <laughs> ineffable search uh, that hasn't yielded anything really uh, so far. But um, uh, you know, people who who want to pursue this, I would say, be extremely careful because it's it's not. It's not to be trifled with. I mean, it's not it's not a hobby. Um, when you're in it, you're pretty much in it for the rest of your life. And I can say <laughs> that. I can say that for certain, you know. I mean, I've dropped out a number of times just because of burnout. And I always come back. I can't, Like, I can't stay away from it. So. Yeah, it's like an intellectual addiction. It's this puzzle it, that it, you... It, it is. You, you know. can't put it down. Right, that you continuously come back to. You ponder over all the time. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Or the phenomena pokes you, and, and then you wake up and go, really? Like, did that that really just happen? Now, okay, now what? Now what do I do? Yeah. And that draws you back in. So it's either one or the other. So. It's like a drunk text from an ex-girlfriend. <laughs> exactly, yeah. It's like, where's this? I wouldn't know, Tim. <laughs> uh, what, tell me about... The uh, I, I mentioned this to you before we started the show. We had like a tiny conversation before where I ran down the uh, the tent poles here, but I really want to know about this. The, these AOL days, the early internet, because uh, yeah. you know we're the the idea of what we're doing right now 
uh, must have been just almost impossible, although I'm sure people were talking about it, like it was going to happen someday. Or or maybe someone could have done it, but it would have cost like $10,000, so no one did it, or it would have been almost impossible. But I, I just remember sort of lurking on pro wrestling message boards. Uh, you know, I think that, that that's the – they say on the Internet the first thing is like the uh, pornography, and then definitely has to be UFOs and stuff second, and probably professional right. wrestling third, the, the most fringe of the fringe topics. Uh, right. You know, I remember sort of looking at that, and that was just wild, just wild. You couldn't really – it was nothing like what we're talking about now. I mean, just just the sheer yeah. amount of visual – I remember back when it was just sort of like all really text-based. Um, so tell me just yeah. a little bit about what, what it was like. Because you came in and and I, I came in already the Internet was established. I mean, you must have been – you were in this, and then all of a sudden this thing happened where, you know, the next greatest thing since yeah. the creation of the printing press happened. So what, what, what yeah. was that whole transition like for, for all you guys looking at it in ufology? Uh, it was weird. Um, I mean, I, I – I mean, Lee Townsend, who is, who was my research partner for years, um, and, and we still do some stuff together. Uh, he's been on uh, Paranormal Waypoint. I think he's been on Paratopia Live a couple times. Um, you know, he basically brought me um, to to the online world. Lee kind of said, "You need to get a computer and you know this that." You know, and at the time, I was running a uh, a, a sign shop. I was doing. You know, I was striping cars and lettering vans and and uh, doing airbrush on hot rods and that sort of stuff. And and I had a computer that I used to cut uh, masking with and yeah. uh, and to do artwork with. And he said, you really should get a modem for that thing and plug it into the line, and we can, like, talk over that. And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, and gradually we found this thing called... Uh, the Launchpad, which was a bulletin board service that was out of Towson, Maryland. Uh, and if anybody watches Seinfeld, uh, Elaine Bennis was from was from Towson, Maryland, and I'm about you know five minutes from Towson. Um, you know, it, uh, it, it that was a, that was a game changer. And then AOL came up, and uh, uh, I don't know. I the first thing that I that I gravitated towards was Omni Magazine had a had a, had, a, had a spot on there. They had like a section. And at the time, AOL was full of sections where you could go and talk about certain subjects. And I thought, well, Omni, you know, was one of the first, quote-unquote, uh, weirdo magazines that I ever picked up uh, that had UFOs in it. And I thought, well, this could be good. And I ended up going into that chat room and becoming a fixture there. And, um, and I think after a while, Omni closed up. And... Um, and Sightings was a television show uh, on the air at the time, and they had a section. Yeah. And um, and and one way or another, I don't even remember how this happened, but uh, somebody ended up calling me and saying, "Would you be interested in hosting chats in our in our in our forum in our chat room, like formal chats, and you'll be given host tools and we'll pay yeah. for your account and all of that." And I mean, hey, at, uh, I think if you went over a certain amount of minutes on AOL, it was like three forty-nine a minute. I mean, yeah, it was ridiculous. Yeah, it was crazy. And yeah. um, and so <laughs> to have a free account was like, really? I'm in. Yeah. You know, I'll do it immediately. And um, and so I started uh, doing chats in there. Um, strictly, I mean, here's the topic for tonight, and you'd run a you'd run a, a macro into your room, and you know everybody would know what the 
every time somebody new would come in, your your chat host tools would say, "Welcome, so and so. The topic tonight is blah," right. and talk from there. And uh, uh, the important, I think, the important thing to mention is that the way the sections made money back in those days was how long you could keep people in a chat room for how long. So in other words, the, the, the section made money based on how many people were chatting in their room. Weird. And um, uh, How? Do and you I know remember how they made... The, I guess know, through, like, yeah. through billing the phone company somehow, probably. Yeah, I, I can count. Yeah, I mean, either, either AOL was cutting them in on the, month, on the monthly fee or cutting them in on the, month, the, the minutes fee yeah. or something like that. That's yeah, okay. how they made their money. And um, and so you know my first chat in there, um, I think a lot of people knew me from Omni Antimatter's room, and uh, there was only 48 people that could fit in a room. That was it. And once it did that, it would split, and so you'd have two rooms. Well, my first night, I was managing six rooms. Oh man! So you like and it was like plates. out of it was out of control. My machine is like lagging to death. <laughs> and because uh, this was all back in the days of you know boop 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 yeah yeah you know all of that and uh, you know and it just went from there and uh, eventually sightings closed up and I went to Periscope they they uh, wrote me one day and said you want to come to work over here we'll take care of your account you know you're going to do UFO chats uh, every Thursday night uh, and we'll give you a host name and all of that and. And then I was there for, well, for years, I think. And uh, and after a while, um, I started the, as far as I'm aware, of the first online uh, experiencer support or discussion group. And uh, and that was a really big deal. I mean, that was a, a hard fight with them. Uh, and there was a lot of legal issues that had to be overcome. Like, this is not a, you know, this is not a... Uh, <laughs> a substitute for professional help, and nothing is implied here. It's just a discussion group, blah, blah, blah. Oh, this was like through AOL? This was through Periscope on oh, AOL, okay. yes. So we had a All separate right. room that you actually, I had to approve you. And so you had to, to write me and, and talk to me uh, and tell me what had happened to you. Um, and then it was like kind of up to me whether I let you in or not. And, um, <laughs> you know, but it was valuable in that, uh, you know, you oh, and I, I can't say as I ever turned anybody away because everybody that I met were articulate, were, I mean, they could write, they could describe what happened to them, and I saw similarities in them and me. And I said, yeah, this is great, you're in. And pretty soon that chat room was, you know, uh, in excess of 30, 40 people. And, um, and that went on for years. And finally, AOL just kind of imploded on itself, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and chat rooms were no longer uh, the thing to join AOL for because chat rooms were all over the web. Yeah, once and, uh, seems like once they went, once the internet went from uh, dial-up to cable modem, everything changed. Like, you know, absolutely, that was the absolutely. big change. Now, I wanted to ask yeah. you, what, what what were the people like uh, beyond the people you just mentioned who wrote in for the experiencers support group? You know, when you were doing these chats and stuff. Uh, I guess what was it? What you know? What were the people like? Were they more intelligent, or that's a that's a 
a rough way of putting it, but, you know. Well, no. Were they I mean, sharper than what we see nowadays because it was such a small, like, you had to go out of your way to get into this, not get into the, the group necessarily, but get online, get the computer, you know. Were they more driven yeah. about this stuff, or were they full of crazy theories and urban legends that now, 20 years later or whatever, we know were just percolating around the 90s and stuff? Right. I think I think a lot more people had a curiosity about them. I don't think that they were... I think they were less eager to believe anything. Um, I, I got more questions than I did, you know, um, I mean, because I studied Gulf Breeze a lot, and I studied a lot of other landmark cases, and I actually went to those places and and uh, and looked around and poked around and talked to people, and I got more questions than I got, um, than I got people who say, well, I know what this is, like you do nowadays yeah. where are really emotionally invested in it. Um, and this was, by the way, back in the heyday of, you know, of abductions. Uh, you know, sightings was on. Bud Hopkins and David Jacobs were all over the airwaves. I mean, it was it was a pretty hot time for, for UFOs. Um, and people were just, a lot more people were curious. I think if I had to say maybe out of 30 people in a room per night, you might have... Um, Two people that were just urchins that were just in there to disrupt the, the discussion. Yeah. Uh, which you have now. I mean, you still have <laughs> yeah, trolls. Yeah. I mean, that's that has that's never going to change. Yeah, it's become part uh, of the vernacular. Absolutely. And uh, but I think you know you had maybe one or two people who, uh, when you threw out kind of a blanket statement of we really don't know what we're dealing with that they would come on and say, well, I absolutely know what I'm dealing with, and what I'm dealing with is extraterrestrials from planet X, and blah, 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 and then we'd go on from there. And everybody would just kind of sit and listen and be polite. Nobody really called anybody out. And then I'd start asking questions like, okay, well, you believe this. Uh, why do you believe this? You know, And they'd yeah. say, well, do you have any reason to trust these people? <laughs> you know, I mean, it was questions like that. Like, is there any conceivable reason why you should trust something that is alien to you. Well, now, right, so, well, that's a good point. I should think about that. <laughs> you know, so people, I think, were a lot more willing to listen and not just wait for their chance to talk, which I think is a lot about what happens now. Um, I, I think that one of the biggest problems with ufology is nobody listens. Um, yeah. Everybody's just everybody's just very eager to, to talk. And... Um, and be heard, which I think is part of the internet at large. I mean, that's it's just natural that it flows over into us. So, it's yeah. almost a paradox. The people that talk so much really need to listen. Yeah, probably. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I, yeah, I would say that's probably true. Yeah. Uh, Hillbilly uh, in the chat room. This is an interesting question because I thought of this when you were talking about the uh, the the urchins in in the in these chat and. <laughs> In, in the yeah. ancient chat rooms. Not the urchins in tonight's chat room, Hillbilly. <laughs> yeah. uh, he wants to know, uh, and I thought the same thing, with the assumption that government agencies infiltrated the early UFO groups, he wants to know if, if you or I have ever felt any snooping on within our endeavors. You can get to that in a moment. But did you ever sort of get the impression that there was anyone sort of overlooking the not just the chat rooms, but just sort of the general activity, UFO activity online in those early days? Um. Online and offline. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, there, I mean, well, for for instance, in the experiencer support group, um, you know, that was a by invitation only 
you needed a password to get in or you needed to be cleared. In other words, there was a list of people that could enter that private chat room. And uh, every once in a while, uh, we would have somebody pop in that we didn't know. And everybody would be talking, and all of a sudden, I would know when someone strange came in because they would just pop in and everyone would stop talking. Like, the chat room would go effectively dead. And I would say, hello, and then they would pop out. Um, and they normally, they, it wouldn't be, like, accidental because they couldn't normally get in. No, no. And I would ask all of the staff, I said, did you come in? Did you did you do this? Um you know, and everybody would say, "No, I, you know, you were you were the only host online at the time." I mean, you know, I think our chats were nine to eleven, and um, yeah. So I mean, we had, and there were strange things that happened online, um, where, you know, I hate to say it this way, but you, back in those days, you really felt like you knew people a lot better, uh, almost better than meeting them face to face, because these people would pour their heart out to you in a way that I don't think they would be so reticent to do in, in person. And so you really got to know people very, very well hmm. uh, just by talking and just by typing. And I knew things about uh, about some of my room members that I don't think their husbands and wives even knew. And um, uh, and we all became really close. Um, and, you know... I think there were a couple of times where people would excuse themselves to go to the bathroom or to to do this, and they would all of a sudden their name would drop out of the room, and then their name would drop back in the room, um, and they would begin talking. And I remember on one particular night, uh, this this lady she couldn't she couldn't type very well. Yeah. Uh, she was a very slow to respond, and you just you just had to be patient with her. And uh, she lived alone. Uh, I think she lived somewhere down south, but she lived alone. She had no relatives. She had no one to talk to. Um, but she had some very significant paranormal experiences, and not just relegated to UFOs and, and that sort of thing, but also ghost phenomena and psi phenomena. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you know, all of a sudden, she starts typing a mile a minute, uh, you know, basically uh, berating the, ch- the chat room, uh, saying, what do you need to be in here for, blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, I think it's important, you know. And there would be certain things that I've heard over over time, certain phrases that I know are only attributable to me, in my mind, to someone who knows something that that I don't. Um, and I'm not, I'm not sure if it's government, in quotes, or whether it's, just an underground organization or whether it's a, a company or a corporation that is behind covering this stuff up. I, I honestly don't don't know if I subscribe to the whole government thing um, as right. much as I yeah. used to. Yeah, could but, just be could just be uh, you know some multinational corp. What, what is this? What are these? Can, give me one of these phrases. I, 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 I mean, one of the one of the biggest things I always used to hear, which I heard in my own experiences, um, uh, you know, the the I'm going to call them the visitors because that's what everybody knows them as. But mm-hmm. that's, that's again a lame term. I, you know, I don't know what to call them. But uh, you know, you would say, "I think I got a handle on what you are," or, or "I, I, you know, I'm not going to let you, I'm not going to let you make me terrified of you," or, or "I know what this is all about, and I don't want you around me," or something like that. And the first words that you would hear would be, "Are you sure?" 
and uh, and I heard that not only in that respect, and it's and it's said in such a way, and at such a time that you don't expect it. In the course of a conversation, can be flowing, and all of a sudden, it's are you sure? Um, Almost like it, you and, said, in a way that they know they know that you're not that you're wrong. Almost. Yeah. Yeah, like they're trying to throw the monkey wrench into your thought process. Mm. And I heard that, um, you know, but I mean, you know, online was one thing. You could say maybe her grandson came in and was having a good time. You could say uh, it was a coincidence that he used the phrase uh, or phrases that I recognized. You know, I can't prove it. Well, did she ever, like, come back and explain what happened? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I said, was there anybody there? She said, no, there's nobody here. And I ended up calling her on the phone and saying, seriously, I have the chat logs. You can read them. And she was pretty astounded. Weird. Um, but at the same time, there were hackers on AOL. This was the yeah, known sure. thing. So, you know, online you're never sure. Now, face-to-face, yeah, I've had face-to-face weirdness with people that scared me enough that I dropped out of it probably for the longest amount of time. Yeah. Yes, I've had that, um, and that's why I don't really broach the subject of cover-ups and government conspiracies anymore. <laughs> I just don't. I stay away from that area. Right, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I don't want any weird stuff to happen to me. Somebody asked. I I don't think I've ever had anyone really harass me or, or snoop on my stuff, thankfully. So I'm yeah, pretty bad. I mean, I, I, I've had... Um, um, not far from me, where I've had a, a number of things happen, and um, and it wasn't too far from where I where I worked, and so I would pass this spot on my way to work, and it was a fairly uh, back in the day, it was a, a pretty rural road, uh, not a lot of traffic, and I remember going to work not long after my wife and I had had yet another sighting of something in the sky, uh, in this area, and seeing two nondescript black cars parked beside the road uh, pointing in this direction uh, were a bunch of old men in suits. <laughs> I mean, I know this sounds ridiculous, but they were old, white-haired and gray-haired men in suits standing beside the cars and pointing in the direction of where my wife Lisa and I had seen something not more than a week prior. Oh. And I would just go by them and go, okay, now what is that? Yeah. Are they developers or do they know something? And what would have happened had I stopped? You know, um, you know. I mean, there were there there was very odd helicity in that area as well. That on occasion would follow her and I when we would go up to investigate the area. Um, and if anybody in your chat room or anybody who's listening uh, can give you uh, an email or contact you in any way, I'd be curious. If anyone out there, and I ask this almost every show I go on, uh, if anybody knows of a helicopter, say like a Bell helicopter, that has what looks like a digital zero on the bottom, in other words, made up of six segmented lines that make up an O, and it's a blue neon, this is what was on the underneath of this helicopter. Weird. So a helicopter and, with uh, like with, with like a light underneath. A very large digital zero out of blue neon looking but it was very bright neon and uh i've never found i've only found one man who was associated with uh air force uh uh, like obviously some sort of science division 
uh, who said that that is a test for radiation. They, they fly over an area, and this light is so bright that it will effectively act like a black light in blood. It will light up an area that's been affected by radiation. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, but that's the only person who's ever said anything to me about it. So if anybody in your audience knows what that could be, I'd be very interested to hear. Even if it's not a paranormal answer or it has nothing to do with radiation, I would just like to know from my own peace of mind what that is, if anyone absolutely knows. Yeah, I've never heard of that. That's weird. Yeah. Strange. Yeah, it's very weird. My goodness. So, all right, where the hell were we yeah. just now? I've lost the uh, yeah. lost the thread on this conversation because we've thrown out all the notes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, as we often do. Yes, I forget sometimes people are listening when I talk to you, so it's uh, that's that's the side of a good show. Yeah. Well, the other the other point I was talking to you about earlier that I want to get into is is UFO photos. I find these fascinating. I've talked to Bruce Maccabee before. You're the only other guy I know that I would really turn to for information on UFO photos. And right. I think I talked about this with Greg Bishop uh, not too recently ago. But is it, are, have we reached some kind of, like, crossover point here on UFO photos where they're, you know, we, we're never really going to be able to get a good one anymore, even if it's an absolutely perfect, fine, legitimate, 100% photo because the uh-huh. culture has been you know, uh, trained not to trust photos on the Internet, especially photos of weird stuff. Yeah. I mean, you remember that YouTube clip that came out a few years ago that was that was like people who saw a UFO, and then they ran to their car and stuff, and then it came out that they it wasn't just the UFO that was fake. It was the whole video. You remember that thing, right? Yeah, sure, the Haiti, yeah, the Haiti UFO stuff. I mean, all of that, um, yeah, the, the, the environment itself was, was computer-generated, and the whole scene was... CGI hmm. and um, yeah, I mean, it, well, I'll put it to you this way. I mean, I've I've been saying for a couple of years now that the abilities that are in private hands and public hands um, to fake footage, to fake photographs, and all of that <clears throat> is getting very close, ever closer every day uh, to being equal in the amount of technical savvy that we have to detect them. So it's almost becoming an even playing field. It used to be drastically uneven. Mm. Um, most most people who were worth a damn at, at looking at visual data could tell you, um, I mean, in fairly short order, because there was only so many ways to do it before the advent of the computer. You had small models, you had paste up, you had you know uh, reshoots and all of that sort of thing and double exposures. Those things are all pretty easy to tell for the most part. Yeah, like um, physical effects that you would have to do. Like you would actually sure, have to like yeah. physically, you know, with the computer yeah. you can just you just click and stuff and the computer does all the all the magic if you will. Yeah, I mean it's uh I mean, well I mean when you're talking about that sort of thing uh where you let the computer really do most of the work, those are pretty easy to tell too. Okay. Um uh it's if you're talking about somebody um who is really adept at compositing. Um, I mean, for you for you people listening that, that know about uh, compositing, you know, alpha channel masking and all of this stuff, um, you know, you're getting into really technical stuff that, that if you do it right, is damn hard to tell. Is it really there? Is it not? Or is the light angles, the light angles are right? Well, what's, you know, I mean, there's, 
there's compositing programs that are 3D modelers that uh, you can literally put a sun in the sky in your virtual environment, take a picture outside at 121 p.m. on Tuesday, the 12th of December, mm-hmm. and go into your computer and punch in that date, and it'll give you the exact location of the sun. And then you just point your compass and take the picture. I mean, uh, shoot your model, composite the two together, and the lighting is perfect. Um, you know, that's 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 getting. I mean, you're getting to a level of technical expertise there that is not your average Joe who's just fooling around with Photoshop. Those people you can still find. Okay. Um, but there is a growing number of people who are trying to get one over. Uh, I've noticed that. But, that's know. another problem. Yeah. It's yeah. They're not you just. Know. We're not just talking about. Oh, it's a. It's there's a. There's a wealth of problems related to this. You know, it's the cultural issue where you don't know necessarily, even like I said, even if you took an out, even if I went outside right now, there's a UFO over my head and I took a picture of it and, you know, I'll swear on a stack of Bibles. Like no one, there still is a segment of the, of the population that will never believe a photo again. That's, <laughs> oh, absolutely. that's part of the problem. And then, and then as you say, there's the ability to fake them is growing to the point where almost that opinion is justified. And then in addition to that, we got these jerks who are trying to fake everybody. Yeah, and there's another, you know, there's another cog in that in that wheel of, of discord, which is that there are a lot more people these days who are claiming to do quote unquote analysis, uh, who clearly have no idea what they're doing. Um, I mean, back in the day when when I was getting started in this, I didn't call myself an analyst. I just said I would do an examination of photographs or video. Um, it wasn't until I was in it at least 10 years to where I felt like I had good enough chops to call myself an analyst, you know, of visual data. Now it's, you know, anybody with Photoshop thinks this is what I do. This is, this is, you know, I can tell a fake from a real and, and they can't. Uh, and I, you know, there's been, uh, cases recently that I, that I recently just saw and clearly could identify what they were. Uh, well, we had this analyzed, and our analyst said he had no idea what it is, and we'd know it was paranormal. And I said, "Well, now it's this." And then when they realized what they, what you know, when I show them an example of what it is, uh, and it matches their video, they go, "Oh, well, <laughs> okay, you're right." Um, you know, and then their analyst kind of like says, "Well, I wish I'd have known about such and such." You know, there's always some kind of excuse. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's an excuse of why you're not being thorough with what you're doing and you're calling yourself an analyst and doing analysis on this stuff. You know, it's 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 about more than calling yourself this. You have to be educated, you know, in it, uh, in, in digital imaging and analog imaging and light and shadow and, um, and people who aren't and are just playing around with Photoshop probably shouldn't be. I, I, I mean, I did a, a show on Waypoint we mentioned before the air, uh, tonight, but um, where it was kind of like the basic run through of what photo analysis is, and one of the things I said is, you know, if you go to an analyst, the first thing he does is run an emboss filter on a photograph. That, that, you know, take your stuff and just run, um, because that's the first sign that somebody doesn't know what they're doing, um, and you'll know it immediately because it's that gray, it's that gray photograph where everything looks like it's bumped up a little bit. You can feel it, and yeah. it's all black and white. You know, they think that proves something, and it proves absolutely nothing. So, <laughs> uh, 
Um, All right, that's yeah. a good tip. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how do you but, even? Are there other photos out there that you think are good? Let's let's sort of jump off from that, I guess, because I don't even I wouldn't know a good UFO photo from a bad one anymore. I've I've I confess I've joined the the rank and file of people that have sort of thrown up their hands at, right. at UFO photos. So I mean, is there anyone that you point to that that I presume the ones before the computer era are clearly a better, let's say, uh, group to look through? But I mean, just in general, is there anyone that you've looked at and you've been like, all right, I'm Completely blown away by this, and it's an actually good photo, not just uh, you know an right. enigmatic an enigmatic uh, blob or something. Right. Um, I think there's some that are good for now. <laughs> okay. That's, like, hey, like, that's a great answer, actually. I mean, that's I, you, you know, know I, I think, respect that I answer. Think, I think people are again are really quick to say this is unknown case closed, hmm. and nothing is ever case closed. Um, you know, Jason in the chat room brings up McMinnville. It's good for now. I mean, it seems to be holding up. How long is it going to hold up? I don't know. Um, it, it always looked good to me. Um, and, it, and it's more than looking at the photograph. It's what did the people do? Did they make money from this? Did they whore themselves out to every media outlet of the time? Did they try to you know, become part of this community and, and make a name for themselves? Uh, or did they take the photograph and wish they hadn't uh, and then kind of fade into obscurity, which, you know, the Trent did. Um, they never had another sighting. They never came forth with any more photographs. It was that one-off thing. Um, that's a little weird to me. That says maybe there was something to that. Um, but can anyone say with 100% certainty that this is an unknown object in the film or the photograph that is substantial size. I think we can gather evidence that says it seems to be of substantial size and it seems to be there reflecting light and taking on shadow in inconsistency with the rest of the picture. Um, can you definitively ever say 100% that it's unknown? No. Um, every day, every month, every year, we learn more about what does the government test? What do they have? Um, and and ultimately, a case that might be completely unknown now, in a year, we may go, ah, <laughs> they were testing this. Oh, well, there's a clue. Oh, in that, in that area, at that time frame. Well, then I think we can go, mm, maybe that was something that someone was testing. Maybe that was, uh, you know, or a camera defect. I mean, camera defects tend to come up now and then, too. Um, as we learn more about how technology glitches, we learn more about what to look for. So, yeah, there's good... I mean, McMillville is a good shot. Um, you know, I think the Golf Breeze stuff, uh, people kind of snicker at Golf Breeze and Ed Walters, but I held Ed Walters' photographs, originals, in my hands one time, and I can tell you they weren't good photographs. <laughs> I mean, what you guys see on TV with the top-shaped object with the lights on, on the top and... That is not in the original photographs. That's only after those Polaroids have been light blasted for detail and a substantial amount of work done to them for you to be able to see that. What you see in the original photographs is black and a little pinhead of red. And that's what you see. Yeah. Um, I think if he was going to fake them, he would do a lot better than that. Um, and I also saw some of his later photographs, which were equally as odd, but at the same time, 
I find I find Ed to be an interesting guy, uh, and I'm not sure I'm not sure that we've heard the last of him, but I still have questions, and oh. so I can't I can't lean back on that case and go 100%. Yeah, it's good, but his photographs are highly compelling to me. What do you make of the whole model thing? That's the that's the that's the part where people snicker. Uh, you, know. I, you know, I think I think I think any town in America would not want to be known or be synonymous with UFOs um, because it it seems to always attract uh, <laughs> those people who feel a need to go on a pilgrimage to the place to <laughs> follow ball. their space brothers. You yeah. know, <laughs> and and ultimately, no town wants to be known for that. I mean, really, Roswell is a is an anomaly on the face of it. Uh, they've embraced it because, well, what else are they going to embrace? Um, I mean, I hate to be rude about it, but there's nothing there um, in, in Roswell to really market the town to come see us, come see us. You know, hmm. I mean, you could. The one thing I think is amazing about Roswell, forget the UFO stuff. The only atomic bomber wing group in the world—that's where it all started. People should want to go there to see that. Um, you know, these men and women were extraordinary people handling extraordinary weapons, and it's his, it's history. I mean, um, people should want to go there to, to to interact with those still around from that time and to see that base and to you know to to, to see what that was like. I mean, that was an amazing time. Um, but you know, I think Gulf Breeze was uh, uh, the model in particular. I think that was nothing more than a, a reporter trying to um, end the story. Okay. Uh, and and I, I think, you know, by virtue that the model was made with blueprints that were Ed's blueprints uh, from a house that he was building after everything was already over. Uh, you know, if you're going to use blueprints to frame somebody, try to read the date on them and make sure it's before the sightings took place so you can say this is the model he used, not after. Uh, so there's that. Mm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, it, it is very suspicious. It's like, why would the guy, if you're going to pull off something that elaborate, why would you leave the model hanging around here? <laughs> well, that's exactly right. <laughs> that's exactly ass. right. Yeah. You know. Absolutely. What about the the Battle of L.A. photo? Is that is that any good? You think is, is it too uh, old or too uh, you know indecipherable? I mean, obviously that's a pretty that's a legitimate photo, and no one's tinkered with it as far as we know, right? So it's a good yeah, one I mean, some things are what they are, and you know, again, people try to run every sort of filter and look at it in every single channel. Um, off of a, an original scan of the original negative, and I mean, how far do you want to go? Mm. I mean, yeah, uh, it the photograph and the, the the silver nitrate in the photograph can only capture what was seen through the a lens of a camera of the time, and sometimes there's just not enough. Uh, and I think that's a that's a good case that you know that some people see, you know, the Timothy Good disc uh, from uh, what was that uh, above top secret, right? Uh, had the had the flying saucer on the cover of Timothy Good's book. I believe so. I um, haven't looked at the cover in a long time. I, I think so. Yeah, I think that's the one, and it looks really close in in profile to that sort of of craft, whatever that may be. Um, but you know, and I I told this uh, this to my audience when I did the the photo analysis uh, show. 
you see on video, what you see in a digital photograph, what you see in an analog photograph, or you know, all the way back to the start of photography, is only what the medium can capture. In other words, the CCD chip in a camera is being excited by light against dark. It's freaking out, and it's trying to show you what it's seeing. Exactly. It is yeah. not what the human eye sees. Yeah, exactly. And so you got to know, well, why is the CCD freaking out? Um, how bright was the object? But one of the one of the I mean one of the nicest guys in in ufology that I've met has been Jim Delatoso um, of Village Labs, and you've seen Jim on countless television shows talking about the Phoenix Lights and all this. And you know Jim's a great guy. I like him. Um, but he claims to be able to do, essentially, to, to take a piece of footage, and he has a database of known lights, uh, known light sources, of which there are thousands of known light sources. And he came, claims to be able to compare the, like, say, the Phoenix lights um, to draw a histogram around them and, and essentially say, this is not flares. Well, that's doing spectral analysis on video. That's like testing DNA on Lincoln's portrait that somebody painted. It's just that one has nothing to do with the other. Mm, yeah. And, um, you know, and we've had discussions about this in the past, but we really disagree. <laughs> you know, I mean, I think it's nonsense. Uh, he believes that the technology is showing him something. Um, yeah. So I see your, there's even, yeah. you know, I see there's even saying. differences in there. So Yeah, you can only do so much with the picture from 1941 or whatever. You know, there's only so much you can do. You can't. You can't get blood from a stone, no matter how hard you try. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, it's uh, it's not um, it's not like anything has ever been foolproof. Um, you know, there there is there's probably analog photographs out there that show weird things that we're still trying to figure out, and are probably camera defects or light leaks or problems in the darkroom. Um, that are just, I mean, I hate to say this because it sounds so Bob Rossi, uh, but there are <laughs> such things as happy accidents. You know, yeah. I've had them myself. I mean, um, there are happy accidents where that special moment just happens and you just click that shutter at the right time and boom, there's something weird. And you didn't see it, but it's a bird. And it's a bird that doesn't look like any bird you've ever seen because it's smeared or it's you know, it's uh, it's got a light shining on it in a weird way that makes it look like a streak, and then you're off to the races. I mean, you can build a, people build belief systems on on all of this, um, and I always tell people, don't ever lay your belief system or your interest in this on a photograph or a video, because in the end, Tim, this is the point of this whole thing. Um, I do very few exams these days unless somebody comes to me and asks me anymore. Um, I don't go in search of them because in the end, um, they don't tell you where it's from, what it's made out of, exactly. who, if anything, is in it. Mm -hmm. It doesn't say anything. All it can do is add to a growing body of data and support someone's account if they have seen it. Right. You can take That's it... what it can do. Exactly. You, yeah. You can just take it and be like... If I take a picture of an airplane, we know airplanes exist, but we still don't know anything about what's going on in the cockpit, where they're going, who's on the plane, why they're going anywhere. You know, it's exactly. So you're right. It, it 
it, in a way, it kind of goes to the psychological um, aspect of the, the almost the inferiority complex in a way of ufology, where it's like, we'll prove it to you. But really, the picture doesn't prove anything other than if the picture's real, that at that moment there was a UFO there, which how right. much you can't go any further than that. So Exactly. Exactly, it's a, and and it's an you know, thing. and it, it, and and the bottom line is, is if you can't if you can't talk to the witness, in other words, like anonymously submitted photographs, I do them on occasion, but I do them with huge caveats, <laughs> you know, uh, hmm. because that's the most important thing is contact with the shooter. Um, you got to have that. If you don't have that, what are you doing? Uh, you know, unless you've got other people who claim to have seen something and a photograph surfaces anonymously, then at least you have someone who was there who can look at it and go, that is absolutely what I saw, or that looks nothing like what I saw. That helps, but it's still nothing to lay back on. Um, you know, ultimately, you've got to have contact with the person who took the picture. You know, you want to ask them, what did you see? What did you hear? What did you feel? Um, what were the circumstances? Where's your camera? Can I look at it? Can I have the entire contents of your camera? <laughs> um, you know, and the last case I worked on, which was the Crete UFO out of Greece, the woman gave me the entire contents of her camera, every wow. picture, like without question or hesitation. And that's a good case. That's a that's a witness you want. That's what you dream about. Mm. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, yeah. And in the end, um, uh, it's good for now. Uh, I don't know what it is. Um, I mean, if you look, anybody can Google Crete, C-R-E-T-E, Greece, UFO, and it'll it'll show a, you know, an object over water, and there's some goats walking around in the foreground and some rocks, but uh, I don't know what that is. And uh, and I put it through its paces, and every once in a while, I still pull it out. I I have ceased looking at it every day like I used to. <laughs> But it's good for now. What will we know tomorrow? I don't know. Um, but right for right now, to me, it's unknown. And um, But it's by no means case closed. There's never case closed. You're listening to Banal of America Audio. Is this the one with... I'm looking at it now, I think. Gotta be. I see goats. I mean, how many how many UFO goat pictures are there? There's, there's some goats that are kind of running along a cliffside, and there's a lady, and yeah. you see her in the, in the rearview yeah. mirror, kind of, or whatever that side yeah. mirror. Yeah. Yeah, the side mirror, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I had contact with her, um, you know, literally almost, you know, like what a week or so after she shot it, and um, and and she was perplexed by it. And I should point out that she is a a a incredibly well known uh, artist and photographer, Um, and uh, and she wanted to remain anonymous, and you know, of course, I've kept that, but. she knows what she's doing with a camera. And one of the first things that she said to me in private was, uh, I work with Photoshop every day in my artwork. How do you know I didn't do this in Photoshop? And I said, because you just asked me, how do I know you didn't do it in Photoshop? Um, that is not something that a hoaxer does. Uh, you know. And, and the second part was, when one looks at the EXIF data, which is the data that is under the image that tells you when it was shot, with what camera, at what time of day, there's absolutely no evidence of being tampered with in Photoshop at all. Um, And I'm very aware on 
minute granule levels what it looks like when something is composited. I know exactly what, what to look for because I do it every day of my life at my job. Hmm. And, um, and so I've gotten pretty good at being able to spot even really good composites. That is and, a weird uh, UFO, man. That is weird. It is weird. And, and I'll tell you what's weird about that, and this is what I wanted to... Um, this, is, this was a shot to me that I had hoped would, would change the way people look at UFO photographs and maybe the phenomena itself, because I think it's important uh, that if it is the phenomena being represented in that photograph, and it's a big if still, but in the report, which you just threw the link up in, uh, in uh, you know, to Above Top Secret, if you go on AboveTopSecret.com and look, there's a thread about this whole thing. And you'll see me get drunk through the coals about it and all of that stuff that always happens. But um, um, ultimately, the, the, the report that I wrote, um, first of all, if you look at it, it looks like the disc is lopsided. It looks like the right side of it is kind of deflated. And the other side is kind of round. Well, when you drop that thing into a program like Photoshop and you look at the individual channels and you drop it into what's called lab color, which is a, a different mode than RGB or CMYK or any of the other modes, uh, and you do a very simple thing, auto-adjust on the A channel, you get a perfectly symmetrical object, it appears. And this is because the data is there uh, but in the composited image of the R, the G, and the B channels, hmm. it's simply not visible. Um, but there is channel-specific data, and that is crucial to talk about when you're talking about UFO photographs because faking channel-specific data, I will say to me, is nigh impossible um, to do and to do well uh, and not ruin the composited image it's very hard to do, if not impossible, to that degree. And, um, uh, you know, and in the end, um, you know, I, 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 I said I don't know what it is. But what I can tell you is that UFO has aligned itself to her camera. It is not aligned to the horizon. And there are symmetrical angles on that thing that you can literally draw a line on and align it to her camera perfectly. And I think anyone, you know, looking at it would say, well, that's evidence that it's composited. But the problem is, is that no evidence points to that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it all points to it's something there, it's something of some distance and some size is aligning itself to her. And, uh, and that is the bigger point which is what we now know, or I think we should know, about this phenomena is that it negates itself. Um, every good case will fall on its own sword, um, you know, from Roswell on up. Uh, I have a know, question the, about uh, the way the – it's interesting. It's, an, it's obviously a very interesting picture. It's interesting, too, that you see her in the mirror – I presume because she knows what she's doing. She doesn't have the camera right up to her face like normal, like I do. <laughs> right, right. Which amateurs yeah. do when they take a picture, I guess. Um, so she – does all that kind of line up with the, the – is there a way to figure out the angular? Okay, that's all – that all makes sense. 
that she that that it would come off that way. You know what I mean? Or do you oh, have yeah. to actually uh, see the mirror and and do all the measurements? Well, when you when you look at the at the at picture, the picture itself, and you look at the raw shot. I mean, the shot that hasn't been scaled and hasn't been sized or cropped or anything like that. Um, I mean, you're dealing with a camera that is uh, taking the shot. So that's your ultimate level point. Your camera is level. I mean, no matter what angle your camera is at, your camera is shooting its own plane, if hmm. you get my drift. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. And so, you know, her camera was clearly held at an, at a, at an angle to the horizon. The horizon is clearly at an angle. The problem is, is that the object in the sky has uh, symmetry on it that is level to her camera, to the frame itself, which means to the camera itself. And um, and so there's there's not really a uh, a lot of mathematics that you have to do to figure that out. I mean, it's really as simple as dragging a rule uh, down the picture and saying, well, there's her camera, here's her camera with a rule on it, in the picture, which is a great thing to have, by the way, uh, a picture of the shooter in the shot. <laughs> Uh, Why is that? That, to, that, to my knowledge, has never happened. Well, I mean, it's good to have uh, a look at what does the camera look like. Is there anything that you can see on the, or in front of the camera? You've got a mirror reflecting it back, so what's in front of it? Well, what is in front of it? Nothing. Uh, there is nothing there that should be reflecting. There's nothing there that... I mean, there's been every excuse put to that, that it's a in-camera refraction of... Her glasses glinting off the sun, reflecting in the mirror, and bouncing around to the lens. That wouldn't make that. Uh, that would make a glare and not a solid object that seems to be reflecting sunlight. Mm. Um, I've heard that. I've heard it's goat sweat. That's <laughs> right, goat sweat. <laughs> goat this sweat. Is one of the, yes, this is one of the things that uh, someone put forth that they felt that this was goat sweat that had been uh, caught in freeze frame. Oh, um, my God. Not to be confused you know, I mean, with the internet meme, Goatsy. Right. <laughs> Certainly not. Yeah. Don't uh, Google that one, folks. Don't Google Goatsy. But, uh, no, I, my God. Um, but, <laughs> you know, it, uh, it, it's it's an odd photograph. And I, I really hoped um, that it would make a bigger impact than it actually did. Um, uh you know, just about every photograph that Above Top Secret has brought me has been a fake, a hoax, uh, and I've been able to show why, uh, how it was done. You know, what, where, where is the back plate that they used to Photoshop the picture into all of that? Um, and people give you grief over that because they become invested in it, and so you get grief from them. Like, you know, uh, well, how do you know? How are you, are you sure? I'm like, well, look at it. <laughs> You know, could it be more obvious? You don't want to accept the answer. That's on you. That's not on me. I've given you the answer. Um, you know, it's right in front of you. And everyone sees it but you. You're the one problem, child. Why do you refuse to believe this um, or accept it mm. as uh, as fact? I mean, it's demonstrably a fake. I've demonstrated that it's not real, and yet you still argue the point. Well, with this, it was almost... The reverse of that. Yeah. Some people um, just refuse to believe that I didn't know what it was. They're like, no, he knows what it is, and he's not telling us. Or what? You know, he's working for Above Top Secret, and oh, you know, he's he's doing what they tell him to say, so that we keep talking and they keep getting more advertising dollars. And I mean, 
you know, That's yeah, I'm going to I'm going to throw away my reputation in this field to be associated with somebody um, that you know is doing something underhanded. I don't think so. You know, I, I've been the guy that blows the whistle on people like that. You know, exactly. Yeah, uh, Jeez, not the guy that joins them. <laughs> That's a good segue in a sense to uh, a question Vale asked, which I thought was kind of intriguing. He asked uh, earlier in the chat if you think that UFO hoaxes, the the, the laws should be changed to make UFO hoaxes illegal. I don't even know how you'd begin to do that. Um, But but it's an interesting question that I never even thought of, so it's it's worth talking about. Um, What do you think? Should should people who hoax – I don't, like I said, I don't even know how you would how you would go about that, but I'll, I'll pose it to you first, uh, and then I'll roll it around a little bit. What do you think? Should it be legal? Well, I mean, I think uh, I think if somebody takes a, a fake UFO shot and profits from it by saying it's real, uh, and by that I mean doing lectures where they charge a couple thousand dollars to do a lecture, or they write a book and they include these photos in the book as some sort of supportive content. Um, then, yeah, I mean, technically there should be a class action lawsuit because that's fraud. Uh, yeah. You're taking people's money on the, under the guise that, you know, this is real, and it's clearly not. Um, so, yeah, I think there should be some penalty for that. But um, I think I think the UFO field has been unbelievably poor at policing its own, you know, and and by that, I just mean that when someone gets caught faking something, that's the end of them. Never shall you return. Go away. Uh, and that doesn't happen. Uh, you know, if someone pulls a fast one in any way in this field, uh, they disappear for eight months to five years, and they're back with a brand-new book. Mm. And everybody is still willing to buy that book and go listen to them speak. And I think that's just delusional behavior, you know. Um, I, I think we have to be a lot more um, stringent about what we do and who we present. I mean, I still feel guilty about having a, a Schmidt and Carey on the show, you know. I mean, everybody knows Don Schmidt's background and why he left this field for a while or wasn't as active, um, you know, and, and yet I had him on the show because they wrote a book, you know, yeah. and... And, uh, you know, I realize now that, you know, uh, he's not exactly welcomed back into this field without having someone say something about his prior history in this field. And um, and ultimately, he should be held accountable for that. Now, you know, he, Doesn't he's, seem he's, to happen. Bigger, he's bigger than he's ever been, you know. This is and, true, yeah. I look at that and I go, yeah, there's something really not right about that. And well, without getting too deeply into the details of that, is this a, an, an imbrogno-esque uh, turn of events? I think so. I mean, I don't even know the whole story. Hmm. I mean, in, in totality about what happened. But I mean, I, I looked at it this way: um, he, he was back uh, doing some some work with Kevin Randall's that I understood at the time that. Uh, you know, I asked him to come on. I'm like, well, if Randall is working with him again after what happened, and they were, you know, kind of tied at the hip, they were research partners. And you know, when when uh, when Schmidt came under fire, um, you know, basically, I think Randall said, well, the hell with him, you know, and no one should believe this man. And 
and and when I when I had them on the show, of course, they were they were working as far as I know, as far as I've come to understand, it was part of the Roswell Dream Team. Kevin Randall was on that team, so oh, was Kerry and Schmidt. Yeah. And so, you know, is is it all forgiven? Was it a misunderstanding? I didn't really follow the matter because I just kind of wrote it off at the time because I don't care about Roswell. Yeah, there was uh, no come to Jesus <laughs> moment where we found out. <laughs> no, absolutely story. not. Absolutely not. And, uh, and and Thale is absolutely right that in Brogno is one of the only ones that have not come back. I know, I know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm yearning for – I feel like he would have the come to Jesus moment where he where he fesses up to whatever he did, if he did anything, or explains himself. I mean, I would wish he would speak out at least, uh, even if he was I, like, go to hell, all of you, I'm out of here. <laughs> that would be fine, too. Yeah. Don't leave us yeah. hanging, dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh man, and that was that was it. I mean, so can you press charges? Somebody you know deceives the public? No, because the public wants to believe it. You know, I mean, you know, this is this is why a lot of these paranormal shows say, um, you know, don't try this at home and for entertainment purposes only. Uh, yeah. You know that's 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 why because you know it's entertainment a lot for a lot of people. Which infuriates me that it's entertainment for people, but uh, for some people it is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you you kind of you hit it there with the class action lawsuit. That's about all you could do. I mean, unless someone hoaxed a UFO in real time and they had to like get the police out there and fire department or some crazy stuff like that, then then of right. course they would. I think they almost would press <laughs> charges against the person, you know, for something. <laughs> right. But, right. But like after the fact. If someone just fakes a UFO photo, aside from the possibility of a class action lawsuit, I, I don't think the government really cares one way or the other if someone did that. So, um, I think I think. Well, maybe they would appreciate it. Who knows? I, I think you know you're right. I think they would appreciate it. You know, because um, I, I have a feeling that you know, and I think it's pretty well known in most circles at this point that the UFO phenomenon has been a cover for black projects before. Um, that doesn't negate that the UFO phenomenon is real. But uh, whatever real means, but uh, you know, yeah, they've they've used that as a cover. So I'm sure that they appreciate any muddy that that mud that can get burned in the water of covering uh, a project that they want to keep secret, hmm. um, probably for good reasons. So exactly, yeah. um, I don't think it would deter. It, uh, vale is arguing that it would help battle hoaxes, and it would be uh, because hoaxes are fraud. But again, I don't think any like district attorney worth his salt is going to bring charges against some dude who faked a UFO photo that got everybody on the internet titillated for a couple weeks. Uh, exactly. Know? I mean, that, that exactly. it's not worth their it's not worth the hassle to them. So. Well, I mean, a judge would say, "What are you bringing this to me for?" You know, I mean, this is absurd. Hmm. Why would you bring this to me? Um, because I mean, and you said this as well. I mean, in in our little circle of of the paranormal people uh, or the interested paranormal public, um, it's a big deal. Outside of that, nobody really knows about it. You know, it's like um, there's very few and far between cases. I mean, O'Hare being one that garnered mass attention. It's not like you know. Um, I mean, the Phoenix Lights gained major attention. These are far and few between. I mean, the guy that hoaxed one shot that uh, turns out to be uh, him releasing gnats in front of this in front of this video camera. That's not gonna. That's not gonna 
draw public attention. Uh, he might get some YouTube bucks, but that's about it. So you know, I don't think I don't think people would care enough. Hmm. Exactly. To. Yeah. Vale argues again that uh, he says I've sold millions of books, talking big scale stuff. But still, it just it still falls under. Even if it went viral, you know, no one gets harmed by the by the viralness of it. You know, again, uh, you know, unless yeah. people unless it's like unless it goes viral and and it's like you have to pay three dollars to see the rest of the video and you do and it turns out that it was a hoax, then you can go with the class action lawsuit. But I don't think anyone is going to get arrested for that. You know, well, sort I of mean, buyer beware. Only, yeah, the only thing that that comes to mind for me. Um, and and I don't want to bring up a bad subject that nobody wants to hear about, but um, you know everybody loves Art Bell, and and uh, and we were all very excited that he was coming back, and you know wanted to hear you know what he'd been doing and and see how his new show was going to go. But I remember back in the day that uh, a big story for three or four nights in a row. Uh, was the Hale-Bopp Comet, and oh, yeah. there was an object following behind the Hale-Bopp Comet, and this had been seen by an astronomer, and it was vetted, and it was real, and it was really there. And, um, I mean, this culminated in the suicide death of the Heaven's Gate cult. You know, this was all they needed uh, was something like that. And, I mean, does, does anyone believe that if it hadn't been Hale-Bopp, it would have been something else? I'm sure it would have. But... Does it hurt people? Can it hurt people? Yeah, it can. Mm. You know, it can happen. Um, you know, I, I think the whole thing with Hellbop was a very interesting bit of radio. But uh, you know, I think I think um, I think when you look at the impact that that show probably had on the Heaven's Gate cult, and we don't know that it did or it didn't. Yeah, I that's, feel the, it's that's likely, the thing. We never really ever found. Oh, I, I guess because <laughs> we can't know. Died, yeah. But I think one can pretty much surmise that, you know, the two being connected together, I mean, come on, really? Uh, and, I mean, I certainly don't place blame on Art, and I certainly don't place blame on Whitley, who was on a few of those shows. But, I mean, it's the media in general. It's just how it works. So, uh, you know, I don't remember what the what the origin of that story was, whether it was with this anonymous astronomer um, I think that's where it kind of started, but should he have been held accountable? I mean, how do we know? I don't. It's just it's one of those things where yeah, people can get hurt. I think, mm. and I think that that might be a that might be a possible uh, evidence of where someone did get hurt by something that was completely nonsense. Exactly it's possible. And that's it's possible. A, right. That's you know. The best example is a, is is this is this one that's remotely possible. So it's not like this is some widespread uh, issue. No. Yeah. It all goes back to like people don't take UFOs seriously as it is. So I don't think. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. A hoaxed UFO photo, even if it's really good, people are going to be like, "Oh, that's interesting." But exactly. You know, we've already exactly. we kind of addressed this. Where it's even if I went out and took a picture of a UFO, this is the best picture ever. The government's not going to be like, well, this guy in Boston took a UFO picture. The jig is up. Right. You know, <laughs> yeah. yeah, It's exactly. over. Even, you know, that's 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 living within the realm of the UFO cover-up government scenario. So, yeah. You know. Yeah. I, mean, I was told I was told when I first got into you know, the whole visual evidence thing that no matter how good your your picture or your video is, 
half the people will believe it and half the people won't. And for my money, it's not worth me sitting down for 72 hours straight when a case breaks to really go over it with a fine-tooth comb unless it's really good or it's a really huge, impactful, possibly landmark case. And O'Hare, to me, was a landmark case. And um, uh, and not enough has been done to follow up on it, unfortunately. So given your... if, I lived, if, I, if I lived there, I would be, but I don't. Given your expertise, have you ever looked at any Bigfoot photos? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, most of what I got from the Bigfoot community was um, uh, paradolic pictures of trees. Yeah. Uh, where somebody would, I would get the picture and they'd say, he's right in front of the camera, and I'd say, I'm not seeing him. Can you point him out? And they'd draw a circle around it, and I'd go, okay, that's a coagulation of leaves. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, it looks like a person. I get what you're saying, but is, was there evidence of it moving? No. <laughs> okay, then it's it's pareidolia. It's an illusion. That's what I've seen the most of. I've never really gotten um, something with fur, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah. that's moving. No, I've never gotten that. I do get ghost photographs quite a bit, um, which I almost find more intriguing than UFO pictures. Um, How so? Some of those, because... Mm. We're dealing with a because whole some of, different kettle of fish in a way. Um, I, I think people are more willing to come forward with a name and and tell you what happened with a ghost picture than they are with UFO pictures. I hate to say it that way. It's it's almost like shows like Ghost Hunters and and Ghost Adventures and every other you know um, half-assed relation of of Ghost Hunters on the air um, has given that that field uh, a margin of uh, respectability um, and who? openness. You know? <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, to the general public. I mean, no, I, see, I, mean, no, I know exactly what you mean. Know, I was being sarcastic, but... it's uh, Yeah, I mean, you're, you're right in a sense, but I mean, we're a lot more willing to talk about having a ghost experience with you in public, like a co-worker. Yeah, ghosts are cool. Um, ghosts are part of that sort yeah. of like geek culture yeah. that's become It's become popular. socially acceptable to talk about, you know, your your paranormal experience these days. It's become more accepted than any time I can ever remember. Hmm. And, um, I mean, back when I started, people looked at you sideways, like, really? Uh, nowadays, people are, oh, really, tell me about it. What happened? You know, what'd you see? Um... You know, I, and and ghost photographs to look at, um, they exhibit everything that a UFO photograph, a good UFO photograph, shows. They show, um, in that they are the only the only similarity is that they are completely ambiguous. <laughs> you know, uh, they definitely show something, but what? Yeah. Uh, and ambiguity is is the and. Um, you know, and they're fascinating to look at. I mean, some of them are astounding. And um, and Justin Nine said in the uh, in the chat room, UFOs are sky ghosts, and I could not possibly agree with you more. <laughs> <laughs> that is exactly what they are. We are being haunted, uh, you know, in our skies. That's that's more, in my opinion. This is just my opinion that you're more right than you could possibly know. <laughs> in that department. Uh, so, yeah, you know, it's uh, the photographic stuff is interesting, but what do you do with it? 
in the end. Yeah, I mean, you really can't do much with it. I am fascinated uh, by the point you're making about this acceptance of of the paranormal and how it has gotten better. It's sort of a disappointing turn of events, though, that uh, just as it's kind of okay to talk about the paranormal, that UFOs are kind of, you know... I feel like they've left us, even though there's still good pictures, and, you know, like like this one... I didn't know about the discrete one, but, you know, right. even though there's still solid evidence that comes in from time to time. I feel like the UFOs are they're kind of they've kind of had it with us. Um and and one that 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 line of thought jumps into a point that I think is perfect cuz it ties into the little audio clip from the sports uh talk radio show I listened to Felger and Maz where they were debating the existence of aliens and the uh Jermaine Wiggins formerly of the New England Patriots uh was arguing that there's no good UFO photos anymore. Uh and how there's so many cell phones and stuff. And when I talked to Travis Walton, he made the suggestion that the UFOs know that we have all these cameras now. So they've tailored or adjusted their agenda or rationale or style or however you want to put it. Their uh, you know, their their means to uh, adapt to that. The fact that they're under constant surveillance just like the rest of us are. What do you what do you think of that whole idea? Uh, I know I know what Travis thinks about um, about the phenomenon. I mean, we interviewed him on Paratopia, and um, and I certainly don't I certainly don't condemn him or or wholly disagree with his interpretation of his event and what he thinks the UFO represents. Um, but to me, it represents something a lot more complex than that, and. When you're talking about uh, uh, they know what we've got, and so they're staying or they're retailoring themselves to appear in different ways, um, that to me says again, we're probably not dealing with anything from another planet. We're probably dealing with something that is vastly more complex than that and vastly superior to to us, uh, which we've known about. We've known the as the the level that uh, that the phenomena displays. Uh, but we don't know what the intelligence is talking about. It being one step ahead, it has always been one step ahead. Um, <clears throat> the, the the purpose of every UFO photograph that's worth its salt is that it's ambiguous, and that is the point. It's ambiguous. Uh, uh, it is meant to be a confounding, and that is, in my opinion, uh, for the present time, as of you know. <laughs> As of Tuesday at 10:33 p.m. Eastern Time on this day, uh, my opinion is is that this is not a confounding. This is meant to confound us, and um, and it will always be one step ahead of of our technology. Um, although, if there is a quantum leap in in uh, in artificial intelligence, uh, you know, I said on Paratopia years ago that uh, I think when we will start to realize that we are not alone and that there's probably more tenants in the building that we are unaware of, uh, technology will see them first. And by that I mean Yeah, I know exactly. the, the AI the AI will look at Tim Banal and go, Tim, what is that outside the window? And you'll go, There's nothing there and it'll say, Oh, I beg to differ, there's clearly something there. Oh well the robot must be glitching. 
you know, and yeah, once we figure out like that it's not, or something. Yeah, yeah. It, well, he sees in whatever, right, you know, right, yeah. in whatever way he can, which may be in a way that it reconfigures itself. Hmm. Um, you know, uh, I mean, I, I think part of the reason that all these things become, or or stay rather, enigma- enigmatic and unknown is because we simply don't have the abilities to perceive them as they are. Um, I think we're getting bit slices of what this stuff represents and and even bit slice experiences with it. And we really don't know what it is um, or what it's trying to say. And um, and in the end, it's going to take something, it's going to take a grand leap of technology, I think, to be able to perceive these things in a completely different way that might tell us something more about what it might be uh, or where it might originate. I don't know I mean, if I... That's, oh, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. I was just going to say, I don't know... I don't know if I'd be happy, elated that the computers figured it out before us, or annoyed and mad, where it's where I'd be. My reaction would be, you know, oh man. <laughs> yeah, well, I think how, I, did you, how did you guys do it? And <laughs> right, right. I mean, well, just I mean, think about it. You know, if we fit uh, some sort of intelligence, an AI intelligence that we create with infrared, like you said, it's got infrared, it's got. Uh, mass spectrometer, it's got all of these things, and it says, well, I can improve upon that because I kind of learned this technology better than you because you programmed me. Now I can evolve it because I can think better than you. So I'm going to sit down, I'm going to make something that sees in every spectrum of light that terms that you are unaware of with, the, with your meatball eyes. Well, it may see things, and um, and it itself may go, this must be a glitch, this must be something odd, but then it will come to realize it is seeing what it's seeing. And I think at that point, it will tell us. I think, um, but I think it will be viewed as an anomaly still by the AI intelligence. We'll probably still see it as I'm witnessing an anomaly. This should not be here, but it will learn what the anomaly is. I think it will end up probably being less confounded than we are but still confounded. Uh, well, we won't have all the human biases of, of exactly what it wishes exactly. it could be, or is it the return yes. of Jesus, or any of this other stuff. It'll, exactly. It will exactly. be very logical about it. It would yes. almost be if we could get the skeptics to <laughs> give it a fair yeah. shake. Exactly. Exactly. So you know, it's it's a possibility. I mean, this is you know, I'm a futurist in the sense that I think our technology will will one day say, what is that? Ask us directly, what is that? And we will say, there's nothing there. And they'll say, I beg to differ. <laughs> oh, man, that would be a great Twilight Zone episode. <laughs> it would be, yes. That's what yeah. will start the human-robot war, over mm-hmm. whether UFOs are real or not. Right, exactly. <laughs> Someone write all this down. This could be... <laughs> <laughs> this is a book here. <laughs> Give it away. Vanny, you're going to love this stuff. Um... Tell me a little bit, let's, uh, actually, I have a bunch of different notes here, so I don't even know where to begin on this. Um, but I do, I well, I, I kind of made the point, too, uh, I think it was to Vaney, about, do, do you think, I guess the technology will have to become the crutch for us, because I, I do think that, as, that we're limited as a species in being able to maybe even understand this stuff. Yeah. Because we, we just see in a certain way. You know, we hear certain frequencies. It's like that weird thing they have that that people uh, under sixty can hear, and people over can't, or something like that. There's right. Like that. Yeah. 
you know, mm-hmm. or those things. I think they're fake, but you put them in the house and they make a mouse go away and you can't hear it, but it's a supersonic sound. Right, so, yeah. You know, maybe as a species, we're actually just incapable of even ever understanding this whole thing, which is an, another maddening part of it. It's like the blind oh, yeah. man who desperately wants to see, but it's just never going to happen. I guess, I guess unless the technology comes along to, uh, to, to, yeah. you know, I don't know, help. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I, I think it's, I think it is beyond us. Um, but I think that it's always going to be beyond us. I think if we figure out certain things, then it's going to switch gears and go in a different direction. And, um, and like you said about the photographs and, and what uh, Travis Walton said about how they're evolving past being able to be spotted. And, uh, uh, and you know, and somebody I, I don't know, and here's where I probably need a history lesson. I don't know who it was that said UFOs are here to make us think. Um, I think he meant it in such a way as we're supposed to ponder these things and, and, and recognize the grander picture of reality and all that. But I think it's more than that. I, I think that in the process of being a confounding, uh, that it is actively uh, evolving us. I think it is suggesting things in our culture. I think it is injecting itself uh, here and there. Um, you know, there's there's been plenty of weird instances that have spawned uh, interesting inventions and, and innovations. And, uh, and I think that's part of this. I think that whatever it is, um, is staying ahead of us to confound us, to push us forward. Um, and uh, and that may be the reason for all of this. I mean, it may be us evolving ourselves. It could be the collective unconscious. It could be any number of weird things that we don't understand completely. Um, but we have these interesting names like collective unconscious and uh, collective consciousness and uh, manifestations. What does that mean? I mean... Uh, a manifestation means out of nothing comes something. And, um, you know, uh, there's uh, people in, in the paranormal who claim to have the answers through physics and people who have claimed to have the answers through direct experience and and through photos. And, I mean, everybody's got an angle. And the problem is everybody claims too much information. I think too many people are afraid to say, I just don't know. <laughs> don't know what this means. I've been you know, a champion because, of I don't know for a long time. That's yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> me too. I mean, you know, yeah, it's um, it's it. it that's it. People that's, shouldn't be afraid to say that in this field. That's the big problem. Well, the problem is I don't know doesn't sell. Mm, exactly. You know. So there you are. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the funny part too about the clip at the beginning is, and I think I told Jeremy this story, uh, I don't know if I told it on Paratopia when I was on, but I went to see a hypnotist to try and quit smoking, as anyone who's listened to the program for the last hour and 40 minutes knows, that did not work, because you've probably heard me <laughs> flicking my lighter over the last uh, so times. Uh, he was really snarky and obnoxious, and I asked him about alien abductions, just because he's a hypnotist, and you never know what kind of weird stuff you might hear uh, from somebody who theoretically may have come across something interesting. But he was, a, he was a real jerk about it and said, oh, you know, that's all garbage. And, you know, the funny thing is, is that everybody nowadays has these cell phones and you never see any you never see any pictures of UFOs anymore. And it was like the guy from the clip at the beginning of the show here. It's, we need to get rid of that, that misconception that there aren't any 
UFO photos or, you know, with so many with so many cell phones, there should be more UFO photos. There are. That's the problem. Yeah, there definitely is. Yeah. Yeah, people are actively capturing things. It's just that don't expect the, you know, just because the technology gets better, don't expect the evidence to get better. Um, exactly. I, I, you know, I agree with Travis to a point. Um, I don't, I don't, I, I go a different means to the end, but, uh, I mean, in the end, it it is, uh, it, it's not going to show us what we want to say. Um, and I think that's intentional. I don't think that's a mistake. I don't think it's photographer error or technology error. I think it's, you know, that's the way this works. It's part of this, you know, and, and hoaxes as well are part of this. It's, you know, I used to get really agitated with people who hoax stuff. And now it just becomes something that I expect because it's part of what this is. Um, I don't say every hoaxer is influenced by the phenomena to do a hoax. But way too many times when I've caught a hoaxer and I've asked, why did you do this? The answer was, I don't know. I just felt compelled to do it. Interesting. And, you know, and I've had that more often than not. And... Uh, I think that says something. I think that says, you know, that that, that it's part of this, you know. It, it's to be expected, if nothing else. That speaks to the people who make the crop circles that feel like they're yeah. getting some kind of information or divination to do it. Exactly. Hmm? So, I think uh, Justin says human desire. I think it goes beyond that. I think it, it goes to something in the ether that's in some some out-of-body influence, let's say. But who knows external, what that is. yeah, some kind of external, yeah, external. influence, yeah. 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 Uh, Hillbilly wants to know, ancient aliens, does Jeff have a comment on the show or the idea? <laughs> huh. Um, wow. Love Giorgio's hair. Um, <laughs> I wish I had that much hair. I don't even um, watch the show, so I have really nothing to add other than I just find all paranormal TV to be to be yearning. That I'll take the word right from <laughs> right from uh, Justin's chat post. Yeah, I find it to be yeah. lacking. Yeah, I I mean I mean, do I think that there was ever an extraterrestrial culture that may have stopped here? And I mean, anything's possible. I you know I don't find it likely. Um, I think a lot of the evidence that they show on there for, uh, well, to support their points is really weak. <laughs> uh, but some of it is interesting, and some of it can be taken one of two ways, and I think they go off in a way that may, may not be the rational way, but be just as likely. I mean, who in the hell knows? What do I know? I'm no historian when it comes to that stuff. But uh, th- there's certainly some odd things. And I used to look at... I mean, you want to talk about ancient aliens? I used to look at the the fresco paintings of uh, of, of Christ and and you know being baptized, and saw the disc in the air with the three beams hitting him, and, hmm, and I'd yeah. say this was painted in 16 something. What the hell is this? And then you come to find out that you know the disc in the sky was represent re- a representation of of uh, uh, you know the three lights were the Trinity. The uh, the disc was to symbolize the communion wafer. I mean, there's all this symbology that we know nothing about today, but they were well aware of back then. And now today we interpret that artwork as it's a UFO, when in fact it's a Pope's hat that's been thrown in the air because the Pope at the time 
threw his hat in the air. This was <laughs> something he did. I mean, this was, you know, this was well known. Um, and a lot of these flying saucer pictures that you see, like uh, there's a famous one. It's German. Uh, Mary is, is being uh, hit by a ray of light from what appears to be a flying saucer in the air uh, outside of town. And when you look closely at this thing and you actually get a good look at it, it's a cloud with angels in it. It's not a UFO. It's a cloud. Uh, you know, hmm. it's the way they symbolically painted back then. And I think a lot of the stuff you see on ancient aliens um, is representative of the time, but not. it doesn't hold water for us now because we don't understand what they meant. Exactly. You, um, yeah, you raise... You kind of clear that up in a lot of ways. I never really thought of it in that way, but if... If the guy painted a UFO in the picture, he would have to explain that to people. And if he was explaining it as a UFO, then it stands to reason that he he wouldn't do it unless he wasn't going to get crap for it. So well, yeah. it therefore would be an accepted part of the culture back then, which means that it wouldn't be such a crazy thing now. Uh, or it would be perceived as a god, which is the more likely answer. Is I suppose, that if, yeah, if yeah. somebody did see a UFO, it would be representative. You know, uh, I mean, the Egyptians, I mean, are often the ones that are pointed to. Oh, they knew something. You know, they <clears throat> they they mirrored Orion on the ground with the pyramids. And why did they build the pyramids? And how did they build the pyramids? And the Sphinx is at least twice as old as what we think. So is that Atlantis? And I mean, there's all this stuff that you can go off on tangents for hours about, but uh, in the end, we don't know what they knew, and we don't know how they represent, represented different things in their culture that to us seem to be completely extraterrestrial-oriented, but maybe something completely benign and known to them that was, you know, well, of course, why wouldn't we do that? You know? Exactly. It's all interpretation, and... You know, I think they go to great leaps to interpret things their way. And, um, yeah, and I, I think you got to take it with a grain of salt. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head there. I was just about to say, at the end of the day, it's a TV show. So yeah. that's really what people need to remember. As far as the ancient alien theory, I find it interesting, but... Yeah, I do too. You know, I don't know what to do with it, so... Yeah. I feel like I'm going you know, to apologize to the people that write in later. I, I feel like I've said you know a lot tonight. so <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's okay. That's, I mean, the, that's the casual level of this conversation, but I, I know there's a few people that write in, why are you saying you know all the time? I'm not doing it on purpose. <laughs> yeah, it's like um. You know, I'm a big um guy. Yeah. I, I mean, it, you know what, it's, it's um, you know, just to put kind of a cherry on top uh, of this with the, with the ancient aliens thing, um, and, and even you saying, I mean, I think you said a very important thing there, which is, you know, what what do you do with it? it what do I do with that? And my answer is the same for, uh, you know, people who want to focus on Roswell or people who want to harp to death on the airships of 18-whatever. Why do you even care about that? It's so far in the past that it matters little if you can explain the airships of 1886 or 1896 or whatever it was. Does that really matter? Is that really relevant to today? Are you going to learn something you can apply today from explaining the airships? I don't see the connective tissue there. Uh, I think we have things going on today that we need to be following a hell of a lot more closely rather than keep poking through the trash can of ufology to see what... Uh, 
what we can get out of that that dustbin. You know, uh, some of this stuff got buried years ago and should have stayed there. And when we get bored, well, let's go back to Roswell. Well, let's go back to you know these days Bentwaters. So let's go back to that. You know, it's like let's move on. There's shit going on now <laughs> that we need to pay attention to, and it's, yeah. we're not. It's a combination you know. of boredom and desperation because it we've is. reached a, yeah. we've reached you know the the edge of the cliff here, and we uh-huh. so, so we turn back around to see if we missed some path that that yeah. we should have gone down in the first place. Exactly. Uh, you know, yeah, I can see if you find a new turn and you want to apply that turn to an old case. Yeah, I I'm with that, but you know. Rehashing and re- yeah. yeah, yeah, it's it's over. Let's move on. <laughs> uh, I guess we'll yeah we're we're heading towards the close here, and Justin wants to know about Project Core, so it's good to sort of throw plugs in towards the end. Mm-hmm. So what what's the latest on Project Core, which uh, you were working on with Vaney and Doctor Tyler Cokejohn and other folks? Uh, that's going to be probably out and about uh, around the end or middle of January. Um, I am still writing, actually. I'm probably writing the the longest paper uh, because I keep changing things and I keep recognizing different things in in the data that I that I want to that I want to talk about. And so I'm still writing on mine, but uh, statistically I'm finished. Um, and statistically, I think we're all finished. But um, you know, with the holidays coming up, you know. We all know this. You know this, Tim. That that during the holidays, the podcast listenerships go down, and and the radio listenerships go down because people are out shopping. They're worried about other things, like I don't know, real life. Um, and and ultimately, we figured it's best to wait till after the holidays when everybody settles into the new year, and then we'll we'll present what we've got. Yeah. And that way, everybody's got time to listen and pay attention because it is, for the most part. As far as I'm concerned, at least from my end of things, um, it's a lot more complex, again, than I expected it to be. So, you know, expect it in January. There you go. All right. Now tell me, I asked you about this uh, earlier uh, before we started, but I want to talk a little bit about this this guitar that I used for the picture to, <laughs> to promote the thing. And I also should yeah. mention, we talked uh, a couple days ago, uh, the, the inspiration for these uh, quote-unquote nice graphics that I do come from Jeff's outstanding graphics that he does for <laughs> for his show. Yeah, I was like, I love those things. I'm going to make them, but I only have the expertise in paint. So that's why mine looked like they were done by uh, a third grader. But right. I used your picture of the guitar, which was featured in Popular Mechanics, which is awesome. You actually right. made that. That's not a drawing or anything. No, yeah. Um that's yeah, amazing. I build guitars in my in my spare time, of which I have none of. Um, yeah, I, that started out as a, you know, I wanted to build a, a guitar because I, you know, I heard a really great song and I thought, I wonder what what that song would sound like or look like. Uh, you know, it, it formulated on the on a guitar body. Like, how do I do this? And and back in the '80s, I mean. Uh, I was in metal bands all through you know the 1980s, not hair bands, mind you, but uh, Maiden, Judas Priest, you know that sort of stuff, and uh, and I could never afford, uh, you know, people who are familiar with '80s music, you know, George Lentz's Mother Guitar, or um, you know, anything custom, anything that looked different than what everybody else had, and I always wanted that, and I thought, well, 
I can do it myself now, so I'm going to build what I want to build. And, um, and I made that guitar. Um, and uh, It's amazing. And, and, well, and... And I did it, and I was like, you know, this is actually pretty neat. And <laughs> and I went to a gig, and I played it at a, at a gig, and, and everybody was, like, astounded by it. And, and my son actually sent it into boingboing.net, uh, which is one of the largest outflows of blog content on the Internet. And, um, and they published it. And uh, I thought, well, maybe I should throw this up on eBay and make another one and maybe try to make a side business out of this. And... Um, and it went around the world. I mean, it it literally went around the world. Before I knew it, there were people writing me from Germany and Russia and China and Japan and Sweden and Denmark and Italy and the UK, everywhere. This thing was on every guitar blog you could imagine. Um, it, was, it was a full page done on it in Guitar World magazine. Um, as you said, Poplar Mechanics, Bizarre magazine, Wired magazine. It went every place, and um, and I'm still like godsmacked that that happened, um, and uh, you know, and so you know, at one point uh, I was doing it for a living, and um, and got an offer I couldn't refuse to to do graphic play, so I ended up kind of shelving it as my full time job, uh, but I still do it, and uh, I haven't built one in a while, but I'm working on one now, and. Um, and I think it's going to surpass this one. I mean, I think it's going to make a bigger splash. Nice. Um, so, is it hard know, to it, like make it? See, th- th- there's like another element to making the guitar that I know that I could never do, or maybe I could. Maybe it's actually the easy part. But is there is there is there difficulty in trying to make it actually sound right? Yeah, you know I, mean? I mean, you know, when you're when you're taking, I mean that that one that you've got pictured. I mean, that's actually. Um, more modifications than um uh, than building uh i mean i have built guitars from two blocks of wood hmm. um i mean that takes a hell of a lot longer i mean the guitar that you've got pictures there is it's a jackson rhodes b um and it's basically what randy rhodes used to play as a flying v the flop sided v but when i saw it i saw a ray gun and i'm like i'm gonna make this into a ray gun and uh, uh or a tank or some amalgamation of something weird, yeah. which ended up uh, being called steampunk. And I had no idea that's what it was called. I didn't even know about steampunk when I built it. It just, all of a sudden, that's what it was. Hmm. And, um, you know, and that that's kind of set everything on its ear in the steampunk world to where uh, I'm getting people writing me saying, um, can I, can I, use your thing in my steampunk comic. Can I use your guitar in my artwork? Can I draw your guitar? Can I 3D model your guitar? You know, <laughs> yeah, do what you want, you know? Um, but eventually, I mean, uh, I get a call one day uh, from a guy, and he says, um, I've got a client who wants one of your guitars. And um, I said, great. Um, he's like, well, he's a international recording artist, and his name is T-Pain. And I said, I don't know who that is, because yeah. I didn't. Uh, but I came to find out he's huge in the rap hip-hop world and um, has done all sorts of producing and writing. And, okay. uh, and is, uh, I mean, it's not my kind of music, but he's an amazing talent in his music. Hmm. And, um, and so his wife wanted one for his birthday, so I built one for him. Um, 
which he freaked out on and actually put all over his new album cover and nice. uh used it used it on on his m t v videos and all of that so um that was a big deal and um you know and these days it's like uh i think steampunk is kind of waning a little bit uh it's i don't think it's quite as big as it was and i think it's going more towards um an amalgamation of steam and and cyberpunk stuff i mean it's really kind of it's evolving which i think is cool um, yeah, and so yeah, I think I'm, I think I'm staying in the in the line of. Uh, well, I mean, I'll just say it. I mean, the, the guitar I'm working on now that I've been working on for close to six months um, is the Titanic, and wow. uh, and it's going to be, you know, what the Titanic looks like right now. It's based upon that, not what she looked like. Oh, that sounds when badass. Was, when she was above water. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, Holy crap. But I wanted to have it done for the hundredth anniversary, which was last year. And uh, now we're almost a year past that, I think. So, uh, you know, but that's, I think still the Titanic being 101 years old is still important as a, as 100 years old. So, yeah, nobody's going to stop talking about it because it was 100 years old. Exactly. So it's still <laughs> a historical event. And, uh, yeah, so that's, you know, that's coming. And, uh, you know, and, and it's still... Uh, it's still I'm still doing it. It's just it's it's a total sidebar now mm, for me. Exactly. Yeah. Um well we're really close to the close now. Paranormal Waypoint is the show. You're actually moving to this time slot, which is kinda weird, but uh, <laughs> yeah. for folks that think we may have to reevaluate that. Yeah. But uh... No no no, it's cool. <laughs> hey. For folks that think we're in competition, let me just tell them that uh at nine PM last Tuesday night, the voice had eleven point six four million viewers. So Jeff and I aren't in competition with each other. We're in competition with The Voice. Yes, that's just true. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, and I even suggested guests and stuff for him, so I'm perfectly cool with that. Listen to Jeff's show if you want. Listen to my show if you want. Listen to them uh, both, preferably, you know, when you get the chance. Yeah. So it's all good. Um, and p- people can find out about that at ParanormalWaypoint.com, right? Right, yeah, or KGRARadio.com. KGRARadio.com, yeah. That's right. That little British lady. They can't hear her, but we can. And she is. That's right. She is. She's, a, she's a real pistol, that one. <laughs> uh, well, Jeff, I got to thank you. We'll throw the plugs in after the live show, folks, because I want to enjoy this final minute with Jeff. I really want to thank you for coming on the show. This was a thoroughly entertaining conversation, thoroughly enjoyable, just really a blast. And the time flew by, and I loved it. I really did. Oh, and, yeah. And, I always thought. And, and, uh,. I'm glad we got you in in case the, the, the time slots don't mesh. So that way we could actually have you on the show, uh, and it worked out. Maybe we'll do a simulcast someday or something like that. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, I had a great time too, Tim. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. I really uh, I really enjoyed it quite a bit. I, I, I loved it, honestly. I really did. It was uh, a, an awesome conversation. We covered so much stuff, and, and from a whole bunch of different angles that I, honestly, going into this, I didn't know we were going to get into. So just yeah. awesome stuff. And folks, check yeah. out that Crete photo. We'll put a link up to it. It's amazing. It really is. Uh, it, it's breathtaking. But yeah. until then, for the live folks listening, we got uh, what 18 seconds left. So I want to thank you all for tuning in. On the next edition of the program, we're also going to be live once again, 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Time next Tuesday. It's Rucks Giving 2013. Send your questions in for Bruce Rucks, folks. Definitely want to hear from you. Thanks for tuning in tonight. All right, we've lost the live listeners, so let me just throw in the plugs. 
If you're just finding us somehow and you don't know how, you want to find out more about us, go to banalofamerica.com. You spell that B-I-N-N-A-L-L of America.com. If you're on Facebook, punch in Banal of America and like us. That's where you'll find out more information on us and what the next episodes are and how you can do stuff like submit questions for Rucksgiving. And we got the big ninth annual holiday Stanton Friedman coming up in about a month. We're going to want your questions for that as well. I do this show for free. There's no commercials. There's no subscriptions. There's nothing like that. And I have to pay for it, obviously, out of my own pocket. So if you could help us out, that would be fantastic. You can find out how to do that by going to Banal of America. There's a PayPal button right there. Click that. That'll take you to PayPal. They'll walk you through the process. It's safe, simple, and secure. But if you don't trust them, if you really uh, don't trust the Internet in general and you want to mail a donation, we have a P.O. Box address that you can find also at Banal of America. As I said, next episode, that is next week, November 26th, a couple of days before Thanksgiving. It's our annual holiday tradition, Rucksgiving 2013. We want your questions for Bruce Rucks. Send them in or post them on the Facebook page. With all that said, I'll give you one more teaser. we got a wild taped episode coming up for December 3rd. You're definitely going to want to tune into that one, folks. And on that note, thank you all very much for listening. Thank you for your enduring support of BOA Audio, and thank you for making the program part of your esoteric audio playlist. Until next time, this is Tim Badal, thanking you once again for listening and signing off.